welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. Um, it's uh, Ramadan. We're now in our second week, and on today's show, we'll, we will be uh, speaking to a physician who will talk about uh, fasting during Ramadan, Ramadan and uh, your health and uh, how it impacts the body. And if there's time later in the program, Samar and I will also be discussing what's happening in uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem with the, the recent raids. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back after this short break. Lift me up high, you spread my ways and fly me to the sky. I feel so
Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 80.5 with um, Ahmed and Summer. Summer, my co-host is there. We're uh, going to have a conversation about uh, Ramadan and health with our guest, uh, a ph- local physician who we'll introduce in a little bit. Summer, how is your fast going? Alhamdulillah, Ahmed. I am uh, well, alhamdulillah. Like you said, uh, 14 days. And now uh, we start the countdown, I think, from Today we have 14 days left, so I have no idea how it passes so quickly. But I just wanted to mention something because I was listening to uh, NPR News and there was a report by Aya Batrawi. She's Egyptian-American and she used to do um, some uh, freelance or uh, some uh, some work. She for interned, the- I think, at WMN. Yeah, she interned and she did a lot of work for WMNF. So I'm so happy that after so many years, we can hear her voice on WMNF reporting for NPR. Uh, she worked for Associate Press for a while as uh, in the Middle East Bureau out of Dubai. And I guess now she's she's doing um, radio for NPR. And I remember her when she was just in high school. And, um, you know, it just tells us how long our show has uh, been going on. Then, yes, and it tells us also that uh, the new generation is not uh, listening to their parents, Ahmed, because parents always want to direct their children to become doctors. We will talk to Ilya, Dr. Yemeni about that. But um, I am so happy that the younger generation is going the route of mass media and uh, journalism. And there are so many, many young uh, American Arabs and American Muslims who are now uh, reporting for New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, NPR, Democracy Now. This is so great that they have started to get into journalism. It's very important. Right. Um, So how is, you know, before we speak to uh, Dr. Elias Yamami, Yemeni. I wonder if it's Yemeni or Yemeni, um, but we'll find out when he joins. And uh, do you feel a difference in your health when you're fasting? Or are things? What are you? You know, how is it impacting you physically? I'm dying to talk to a doctor. I think Yemeni because if it's Yemeni, it would be Y E, but his name is Y A uh, Yemeni. But uh, I'm dying to ask him, Ahmed, all these questions. Because I think the the beginning at the the three the three days at the beginning I felt that my body was aching. Of course, I am I was sick for the longest time and I had a fever for three four days uh, when I, you know like a month ago. So I thought it was because of my illness. But I was reading about water fasting and people who fast outside, uh, let's say Ramadan, that these are the symptoms of withdrawal, coffee withdrawal, caffeine withdrawal, uh, toxic uh, withdrawal, whatever is in your food and you stopped eating it. And that's what the cleansing part. So that, you know, like my body is aching, but not from exercise. It's very strange. And it's in around the shoulders, around the back. And I want to ask the doctor if this is really what fasting does to people. So that that was something. The other thing is, of course, I lost weight. Hey. Oh, are you losing weight? Some people don't lose weight uh, during Ramadan. I don't really it's feel like my overeat. weight. 
they overeat. They mm. overeat and they eat a lot of sweets. Like every day my husband says, oh my gosh, we don't have any sweets. We ate knafa two days in a row. And maybe today I will eat some ataif, which is... Okay, that's a lot to eat, you know, to eat so much. But, um, I mean, I, things are usually well for me when I have my suhoor, which is a pre for our um, listeners. Who are, it's a pre-dawn meal or snack that you have. It's not required, but it's recommended. And when I don't have that, yeah, things uh, like the last two days I missed it. Um, I've never yeah. had it. Since you never the had this whole month. I always wake up like six, six, right one, after five before yeah. six, ten before Imagine, six. Right, it, like I had my alarm set, and for some reason I didn't hear it, and I just woke up one minute after the cutoff time, and the water is right there next to my bed. But I mean, no one is around. No one knows if I drink or anything or anything. But this is a commitment and a contract or agreement I have with uh, God. So um, I would only be fooling myself. So uh, I couldn't couldn't have the drink. But now we're joined by our guest, uh, Dr. Elias um, Yamani. Uh, he's a MD physician. He's a diplomat, American Board of Internal Medicine, and um, he had his master's in medical management from Carnegie Mellon University, a master's in clinical service operations from Harvard Medical School lifestyle medicine health coach faculty and a phd candidate at lifestyle prescription university certified practitioner um ceo medical director and founder of all care medical consultants so many degrees several masters you're already an md and then you're also now working on a phd are you ever stopping to you know <laughs> stopping your education Assalamualaikum. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I think thanks for the intro. I think uh, it's gonna be downhill from here now in our talk. Oh, I, but... No, it's a lot of uh, great credentials. I'm just surprised. I thought once you just become a doctor, you kind of stop, but for some reason, you have all these additional uh, degrees, yeah. and and then now you're still. Are you still in school right now? In, in doing yeah, a PhD? I am. I'm actually in the the faculty that I'm part of the university i'm actually doing my thesis there in lifestyle medicine and uh, especially uh, what what i'm trying to incorporate the the fundamentals of lifestyle uh, changes that is impacting chronic diseases and actually we are working on improving uh, patients outcome health outcome and reducing the cost of care as you know i'm at that biggest crisis you know we are facing that uh, the cost of care is unsustainable. And this is because right. of the burden of chronic diseases. You know, there's no system can sustain that kind of burden that we are having. You know, so numbers are staggering. And all the innovations that we are seeing is on the pharmacological side or the device side, which is kind of making, there is no cost releasing happening from that. Years after years, we're getting innovation, but cost of care is going up. You know, deaths from cardiovascular disease going up, deaths right. from cancer going up. So, so that's why I'm, this is the journey. That's why I'm trying to study the delivery of care. You know, with Harvard and Carnegie Mellon, how this, you know, how we can best 
deliver the care? And then what should be the best method of uh, kind of transactioning that um, uh, that medical care? So I, I, I want to hear. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's that's really this is your medical journey, and 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 I, and I I commend you for doing that, and uh, I do want to get more into that. But before I do that, actually, I uh, wanted to record this, uh, so I have, and you know, I see that you're on video with us, even though this is a radio show. So I want to record this, so I have it for later. But when I do, especially when I'm using Zoom, there'll be something that says you're now being recorded, and my listeners, sure. our listeners, are going to hear that. So don't freak out. Uh, we're recording this now. Okay. Recording in progress. Okay, so yeah. Um, yeah, this is not you know the government recording, but this radio. Okay. So we want to have there's an audio recording of it, but I just wanted to have a a video recording as well. Um, sure. Chronic care is everywhere. Maybe that's a different discussion we'll have another time because sure. for some reason it seems like Americans and policymakers don't really want to tackle this issue of chronic health care, and they think that somehow the hospital you can do whatever you want with your body and somehow the doctors and the hospitals should figure out a way to save you. Well, if you abused your body your whole life and you did all these things and somebody else didn't do that, um, are both people equal, there are going to be consequences. So you're right. Uh, but, you know, today, Summer and I really want to talk to you about yeah. fasting and what is it doing to our bodies? You know, I've been fasting for several decades now. And every time it's just different, you think that you have a formula, um, you know, for it. But, you know, for those that are just tuning in and just a, a brief background, um, you know, Muslims right now, we're in the holy month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan is the ninth lunar month in the Muslim calendar. It's not something weird. Uh, the Jewish community also follows a lunar calendar for their holidays. So for us as Muslims, the way that we fast it's for 30 days consecutively, and it is from pre-dawn until sunset. We can't eat or drink or have water or consume anything. Nothing can go into our mouth. For those that smoke, they can't smoke. They shouldn't be smoking anyway. Um, so there's nothing to consume. Um, and so it, it does, it works on us. Uh, its purpose, God tells us, is spiritual. It's a spiritual rejuvenation. However, there's also a physical aspect to that. And that's what we want to talk to the doctor about. And now we're on our 14th day. So we're two weeks in. We have another two weeks. Uh, Dr. Um, Yamani, Yamani, am I saying it right? Because Summer and I were trying to figure out if it's Yemeni, like Ye Yemen. Yeah, actually, yeah, you know. Are you originally my, Yemeni, your family? Yeah, and my ancestry is from Yemen, North Yemen. Sana. Okay. Long and then, time. but more recently, you're from where? Your family. So most recently, so uh, you know, I, I'm here in for 30 years in in Florida, but my parents are from Central India. Okay. And uh, Gujarat, and then I got educated in Karachi, down medical. So, oh wow! So a Indian went to Karachi, even though there's a rivalry. <laughs> okay. So yeah. why don't you tell us what is happening to our body when we fast? So, yeah, so basically um, the good thing, Ahmed, is there's a lot of studies being done. It is a very hot subject in, in the arena of longevity and lifestyle medicine, which is called intermittent fasting. So there was a time when we did not have good data about it, but now we have tons of studies that is supporting that how 
that intermittent fasting is beneficial to the body, right? So, uh, so basically, there is a you know, but plenty. I mean, there is a long list of beneficial effects, but I think few things that we uh, you know we what I would want to discuss in the context of Ramadan, you know, and in the spirit of Ramadan. So the idea is that you know the, the fundamental, the gist of of this month is kind of you know what what the scripture says so that we become so that we we have taqwa and the way i try i mean there's so many definitions and way we uh, we can see taqwa but i see taqwa as uh, you know being aware self-awareness awareness, awareness mm -hmm. of our surrounding awareness of what we are doing and that's what we are you know accountable but i kind of extended to say that it is the time to be aware of our health to, to become in touch with our body. This is a great opportunity of self-awareness and self-awareness starts from our body. You know, we, we are physiological being. Everything in our, in our psychoneurological mechanism is physiological. It is our physiology which is affecting our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, our behaviors, right? So the physiology is basically, it's like a, an information that our cells, each and every cell in the body, sending information to our brain system to understand the nature of thing, which is also called the truth. So understand understanding nature of things. So Ramadan basically is that opportunity. So, so, so how, that's how, how should, I would, would yeah. so being so it's an opportunity to be self-aware. Self, I mean, yeah, Takwa does translate into one of its translation is uh, to have consciousness or to be conscious of something, but usually it means God consciousness, but you extend that further to being conscious of your own uh, body. And uh, so what, uh, so, you know, going beyond that, um, understanding what's happening to our body during the month of Ramadan, being aware of our health, how is how is the body reacting differently when it's full of food versus when it doesn't have any food? Great question. So, so basically, we can we can say that understanding what is fed state when we are when we are fed, the body has food in in it, versus when the food is not there for some time. So you can divide it into fasting state versus fed state, right? So so to say. I think so. That it's, so basically, when we stop eating Ahmed at at the sahur time, this is not when the actual fasting effect starts in the body. It's not like that, right? So we we remain in fed state for approximately twelve to fourteen hours, and that's where it depends what we eat during our you know the window of feeding window, what I call it between the breaking of the fast and when mm -hmm. we stop eating in the morning. So basically, uh, so when we achieve fasting state, there are a few things that start, the major thing that happen, so instead, the body, instead of using glucose as a source of energy, it is start using fatty acid as a source of energy. So no, in normal, you know, in normal states, when we are kind of eating, uh, you know, three meals a day or snacking in the middle and all that, there is a constant supply of the glucose. And that glucose goes into the cell with the help of an, uh, a hormone called insulin. 
insulin brings that glucose into the cell and in cell we have these these furnaces these uh, burning machines called mitochondria those mitochondria burn that fuel which is glucose normally and change into energy which is called atp so that energy you, you must have heard about calories right this food has so much calories and that food has so much calorie so calorie is a unit of heat production Cal calorie is a unit of energy in the body that is produced by in the mitochondria with the help of glucose so normally that's what we do but what fasting do that when there is no supply of glucose coming body switch its mechanism of utilizing glucose to fat so it mobilizes fatty acids from fatty stores around our belly around our back you know that accumulation of fatty store so that because of that body goes into a state of called ketosis and that's keto ketosis key or keto state is really healthy for the body because it dissolves all kind of toxicities from the body oh. it dissolves inflammation which is a major cause of chronic diseases all chronic diseases have one thing common called inflammation inflammation is a state of stress to the body so what it does basically it calm down it kind of putting off the fire so the constantly working of the body goes down because of that keto uh, ketosis state so this ketosis state you know you hear about it before with the south beach diet from years mm -hmm. ago and then others you know you want to get into this ketosis state and the uh, carb free diet because you start burning the fat how long yeah. you know is it safe to stay in that ketosis state and is it is there like you know just ketosis is on and off or is there something like in the middle yeah you know so so basically you know it's not the question of how long so the thing is let's put it that way you you want your glucose to be to be in a steady state level the issue with the way we are feed ourselves even in ramadan what we do we really you know put a lot of carbs and oil in our body right so as a result and depend on the different carbs it is basically the speed of absorption of that sugar into the body is a problem so when what happened when you have huge carb meal the sugar the rate of rise will go up from you know right from our buccal mucosa which is our mouth glucose start absorbing and the sugar level goes up for that higher sugar insulin has to follow it insulin has to go up so that that sugar can be put into the cell and that higher level of insulin is actually a pro inflammatory response to the that's the toxicity that body has to face so the idea is to have steady state level of glucose not to have like yo yo of that kind of thing right so what 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 perhaps you're asking that if what, what if we you know don't have too much of glucose it's a good idea because some of the fatty acid will be keep utilizing so we can continue to do that cycle however it is not possible to stay in ketosis for a long time because every time when you're going to eat even if we eat protein the glucose level goes high through a process called gluconeogenesis so protein will also change into the glucose so the i Mm. body do want to get back to the glucose utilization because it's easier on the body 
And you know, our body fundamentally ev evolutionary design to survive, right? Yes. So it is going to go to the survival mode of glucose and it's going to extract every glucose from the body. Usually we have a storage of uh, glucose in the liver. It's called glycogen. That mm -hmm. also start uh, stimulating and all that. But what, what happens though, when we are constantly pro providing this extra glucose to the body that our evolutionary body is not used to, you know, our, we, we are not used to, like we, we live in this excessive food surrounding that we consume so much uh, sugar that body is not used to it. So what body does, it keeps storing that glucose in the form of fat. Now that fat is around the stomach, around the belly, also into the heart, into the blood vessels, brain. And that's why we have all the chronic diseases and all that. So because of the fat and because, yeah, because of, of accumulation of extra fat, yeah. high calorie um, and high glucose, yeah. high The body has fat. to put it to the storage. And, you know, that's why we become obese. You know, 70% of Americans are obese because of that. Now, my co-host, Samar, is saying that in Ramadan, she's lost some weight. So is she burning some fat or what's going on there? Absolutely. Yeah. So so basically, it's, you know, I would I would like to give some timelines of how things happen here. Right. So let's say getting into a fasting state is the key. And unfortunately, uh, our, our choices of food does not allow us to do that. Right. However, there are studies done which says if you restrict your feeding time to six to eight hours a day, no matter which hours, and in, in our case, we do it after the sunset and before the, at, at the dawn. So which is kind of same timeline, six to eight hours. Uh, studies have suggested that we lose weight and the mechanism we lose weight by 12 hours, we switch our, uh, from glucose to fatty acid. And those fatty acids are coming from our fatty stores. So these four fatty stores are releasing that fatty acid that is going into the cells and used as a source of energy. And due to that, we are losing weight. However, in our fast, which is called dry fast, and not many studies are done on the dry fast, we lose weight due to two mechanisms. One is called hypovolemia, and the other is called hypertonicity, which is we lose water. And we actually concentrate a lot of electrolytes in our cells that suck in the water into the cell. So when cells, when the water goes into the cell, you know, you actually have dry weight, which is you're losing weight. Unless, you know, you, the way we drink water is, is another story that we can discuss. But, um, but primarily if we lose weight, we lose because we mobilize our, uh, our fatty stores and fatty acids. Actually, doctor, just let me remind our listeners that this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. Ahmed and I are talking to Dr. Elias Yemani. is a local physician. One of his interests is the longevity, which is something I am uh, looking into during uh, Ramadan, uh, listening actually to podcasts by Huberman Lab. I'm not sure if you... I know him, Dr. Yamani, because he talks a lot about intermittent fasting and the window of eight hours. But everybody listening and whatever Ahmed and I go around town to give lectures. And when we talk about Islam and fasting, the number one question is what about water? So mm -hmm. how is it 
we are able to fast in my case because i never wake up for the suhoor i mean during the night i wake up three four times to drink water but i never finish uh, the glass of water that i really want to do it because i am half asleep and then of course i'm very active i wake up actually at seven and at six o'clock i do stretching and i do walk on the treadmill but i'm a very active human being how is it that we can survive it is not damaging our uh, kidneys for instance how is it possible yeah that's uh, that is a wonderful observation and i'm a big fan of uh, huberman actually andrew is a wonderful uh, wonderful guy a lot of research and also uh, and a lot of point that I'm talking and I do talk is basically Huberman's thing. So, um, so what we have, uh, so we do have a mechanism in our uh, in our bodies. Actually, by the way, the way you are doing is maybe the ideal way of hydrating yourself. I was I, asked, I was telling Ahmed the way we drink water, we have to be careful because we do get hypovolemia, no doubt about it, and we do get. Uh, concentration of these electrolytes, but there's a, uh, one of the um, studies uh, that I looked into was done in 2020, and it is published in one of the kind of an alternative medicine journal, but good study. And they, what they did, they studied sodium, potassium, and something called ADH vasopressin hormone, and other like renin angiotensin system and all that. So there is a hormone in the body called antidiuretic hormone, ADH. Another name for that is vasopressin. So th they found out that the huge rise happened when we do fast, body you know, adopt to that and that ADH level went, uh, goes up big time. And because of that, it retains water. It retains water inside the cells. What perhaps uh, we should do like what we're doing, when we are breaking fast, try not to drink that one 16, 17 ounce of uh, Zephyril bottle or whatever, you know, we get in, uh, you know, do not like drink too fastly, but because what happened when we're gonna drink, when we, when we drink that fast, all that water actually goes extracellular because, uh, you know, it, it dilutes the system too quickly. And in next hour, you're gonna pee it out. So it's not going to go, it's not, never going to get chance to get into the cells and all that. So the best mechanism to hydrate ourselves is like 300 to 400 cc's every hour while you're awake. And that's, that, that, that kind of, you know, and not to drink too much at the time of Sahur when, so perhaps what you're doing is like intuitively you're doing the right thing to hydrate like that. So, so to, in, to, to answer uh, the short answer of your question that body has a, coping mechanism. However, I, I, I must add there, I mean, that, that study suggests that um, even though our cortisol level, which is very, uh, which is a stress hormone level, goes 600 times higher by the, between Asr and mother, you know, by the time when we are about to break our fast, that's why it's not a good idea to do too, uh, cardio exercise in the evening. You know, people ask me what time is the best. So I think the best time, maybe pre-Sahur, like where uh, when when you can do cardio for half an hour, what you are doing, uh, Samar, is not a, it's kind of more of a stretching and, you know, kind of a, we call it zone one exercise. 
So it's a good idea to do zone one exercise and you can do in a fasting earlier in the morning, you know, and it's safe, but not to do too much exercise in the, in the evening time. We can still do weight exercise. We can still do strength training in the, in, in the evening where cardio is not much involved. So, uh, so basically, yeah. So we have that I much window in the body that ADH can take care of that. And it is not damaging to the body. Yeah, actually, I break my fasting, uh, drinking hot tea and dates. Why, why people think that dates, I mean, what's in the dates? For instance, because when I break my fasting, if I am fasting in the US with tea and dates, I don't overeat. And actually, I feel like sometimes I eat at least a half an hour after. Because my husband is also a phys physician like you, and sometimes he would come at least half an hour after the time of breaking the fast, and then he's too <laughs> hyper to eat. So sometimes we actually eat almost an hour after the fasting, but I'm fine. But if you tell me that on a regular day, I'll be fighting with him. Like, no, I have to eat. It's very, so what do dates do? Like, yeah. do they really have all that uh, value and the other thing is you're telling me not to exercise i know i'm staying in zone one but there are uh, uh nba players uh, there are uh, like really serious uh, athletes um football soccer players and they are fasting and they show us on tv the moments they take to drink water and have bananas how can they do it uh, yeah. still without water and what is it in the dates that help us uh, so much yeah so so for you know maybe uh, before i answer uh, the question about dates because dates like we we all do right i mean we, it's a very common uh, practice most of us break our fast and it's is in our tradition also so uh, before that I, I i want to add you know athletes those trained athletes is a different ball game, right? Their, their training made them so resilient and all that, that they can sustain hyper, uh, you know, hyper viscosity or hypertonicity in a much, much better form. The, the whole physiology of their cortisol is different. The whole physiology of their fatty acid use as an energy source is totally different. And you know when when we we basically break our uh, when the when the fatty tissue get metabolized in the body it does change into urine and carbon dioxide i mean uh, in, it's actually first in water and then uh, you know it, it it goes into the urine so so there is an internal mechanism built for these athletes which is you know kind of out of the league of the normal person or you can't compare because of their training and all that. And so there are, you know, there are people, you know, like icemen who would go into the ice water for 16, 18 hours and all that. So those are like, I would say, exceptional cases. And, you know, there are, you know, the human potentials are limitless. And these are the example of that. So, so yeah, so they have different sort of mechanisms in the body where, and, and that comes from training, right? We come back to the, to the, to the date. So, it's a very interesting phenomena that when we break fast, even people who do intermittent fasting, but for us also, it's a good idea to have fructose-related sugar in the body. And dates is more than 50% fructose. Most of the 
most of uh, the sugar, perhaps that artificial sugar and all that is only sucrose, you know, and our table sugar is also majority of sucrose. That sucrose and glucose really trigger your insulin response badly. Like, it, it, you know, insulin, insulin goes up very um, fast. But interestingly, fructose is insulin independent. It doesn't need insulin much to to get into the cells body so so all that fructose related sugar uh, you know goes into the cell and little bit of insulin response that come it actually prime the body to accept now the proteins that you're going to take now the fat that you're going to take after an hour or two so that's why i think it's a i think perhaps what you're doing is great is you're you're priming your body with 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 uh, with date and you know they has one of the highest concentration of uh, potassium so immediately you are replenishing your electrolytes with them also so that's why you're not feeling tremendously hunger and you're keeping your body ready for the next meal and i think one hour is ideal when we can have proteins in our system because immediately if you're going to open the uh, you know fast with protein is very protein is the most hardest thing to digest is protein, actually, right? So the protein should come later, and that's what you're doing, you know, in after half an hour and all that. And maybe a little later, we can have more fat. And that would be a good, you know, good method of sort of breaking the fast, typically speaking. And I wanted to ask you, doctor, what is it that makes us really not be tempted, like Ahmed was mentioning? at the beginning of the show, maybe before you joined us, that uh, he woke up maybe one minute, just one minute after uh, he needs to uh, start the fasting, the water is next to him, no one sees him, and that self-discipline, is it um, a physical self-discipline? Is it faith? Is it religion? Is it a combination? Like, Like on regular days, when I get hungry, that's it. <laughs> I can I can wait an hour, but if I see something, I'm tempted to eat it, and I know I shouldn't be eating it. Is it all faith, or is it a combination of stamina, the body, the brain? I don't know who is controlling me at the moment. Yeah, and that's I mean that's definitely a wonderful, and I we can have a whole hour, you know, extra hour on this subject. That's my favorite subject, by the way, and that's where. I started the talk about understanding yourself, like knowing ourselves. And, you know, we are so fortunate that we are conditioned, you know, since since we were little, we were, we see this atmosphere and culture around us where we, you know, we have that discipline for these 30 days. And this is all conditioning. You know, this is our subconscious mind, which makes us do these kind of things. 95% of the things that we do in a given day is subconscious. And there is a whole mechanism why why, why brain does that. So, you know, I'll take a couple of minutes here because that's really interests me, this subject. So uh, the brain is only 2.5% of the whole bo body weight, right? It's 650 gram or something like that. So by weight, it is only 2.5% of the body but it consumed 25% of the energy of the body, 25%. So brain neurons, I mean, every synapse is, is a highly charged energetic reaction. I mean, that's a different story that 
by weight hard exert most of the electricity so the most energy in the body heart is more powerful energetically than brain but consumption of the energy goes to the brain so brain has this me evolutionary mechanism to protect itself from consuming energy it it conserve its energy and the mechanism by which brain does that is called habit forming is subconsciousness and all that so when when something goes to subconscious level it is effortless i'll give you an example of driving the car when the, it, we all remember when first time we got behind the wheel you know that that day was terrifying you have to look uh, at the window screen you have to look in the back mirror on the side mirror you you need to understand you know how, how where your hands and feet are so many variables you know and your brain is working but after a few months you get to your office you don't even remember what happened in the way because your subconscious might took over and that is what habits does and that's what our prayers does to us you know when we stand five times a day in front and all that uh, sometimes you know we have to bring it to the conscious level otherwise you go go on auto and we don't even know what we are doing so so basically um so some of these are conditioning that we we, are, we just know that that we are not going to drink and all that but that's where that's where i was saying that let's bring it to our conscious level let's understand what we are doing well and that's perhaps perhaps to me is the definition of takoa also that you know if we are whatever we are doing become aware of it and that's where we need to get aware of our so i always say ramadan is not about fasting ramadan is about eating how when what that's the that's the spirit of ramadan actually well yeah go ahead ahmed yeah so uh, this has been a very interesting uh, conversation uh, this is true talk on wmnf 80.5 when we're speaking to dr elias uh yamani when we're eating and this will be my last question and because we're running out of time um ideally you know when i go and there's we have iftars so you're invited to people's homes or you're invited to an iftar event and iftar is the arabic word means breakfast because um, really we're breaking our fast that's where the word breakfast comes from when we eat in the morning so we're invited to these iftars and um you know either at family homes or they're at friends and a lot of times they're very elaborate it's like a feast you know it's like you know thanksgiving with all the side dishes and all the desserts and i have a hard time um you know when i go there and if i eat what i want to eat and then afterwards in our uh, religious practices every day in ramadan we have something called tarawih these are unique nightly prayers that are not usually done outside of ramadan and they're done in congregation people go to the masjid the mosque to do it they can do it at home as well but um it sometimes it could last over an hour of praying normally a regular prayer like we have five daily prayers they usually take five to 10 minutes, but the Tarawih prayers, if you do all of them, 20 rakah, it could be like an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. But if you if I eat a lot, then it's like so difficult to stay awake or to have the, to be able to stand there for this, you know, 20 rakah. So now I'm finding myself that I'll break my fast with something light and then I'll eat after the 20 rakah or, you know, like, around 11 30 midnight 
and then I'm going to bed. So which way is better to do it? Because I feel like, you know, you also don't want to eat right before you sleep. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the science is very clear that. So in 20 Rakat Ahmed, we are consuming, we are utilizing almost 300 and, uh, 280 to 300 calories. Right? Oh, okay. I'm yeah. losing weight while praying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's amazing. And um, and there are things that we can do uh, during that 20 record, which I don't know whether how, how you're going to feel about it, but we can increase the tone of our muscles intentionally. So we'll bring the focus into our muscles and our breathing while we are listening to the Quran. That will add up to the calorie consumption, actually. So that's a good idea. However, I still suggest that See if you can do it like what summer is doing. You break the fast lightly with uh, with uh, date um, and maybe some sort of a protein shake type of thing, and then you wait for um, you know half an hour, one hour, just before tarawih, and have your meal, your major meal there mm. at that time. Okay. So that even though you may again may feel full, but you're going to utilize and and the and the beauty is that after the meal, if you do what we call it NEAT, N-E-A-T, non-exercise associated thermogenesis, and Taravi is one of the example of that. If we do that, you increase your insulin receptors in your body. So the body have more, uh, you know, chance to absorb the glucose that is coming from the fat state. And that is a great idea. You're like, you're, com you're using and utilizing it right away. So it is not going to stay in your, so you're not going to go to bed in a fed state because once you're sleeping and your stomach is full, uh, that's the worst thing one can do, you know, to mm. the body. To that's the why body. Summer is losing weight and I am not losing any weight, even though gaining I'm Gaining weight. Yeah, gaining weight. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm gaining, I don't know, but you're definitely... The problem oh. is eating too, too many sweets, uh, like sugar. I mean, sugar is so terrible, Dr. Yamani, isn't it? Uh, and people tend to eat it. But I was uh, sorry to interrupt you, Ahmed, but I have to ask the doctor because I find what he's saying is very important and we don't have a chance to talk about longevity. And maybe it's not related to Ramadan. Maybe Ramadan will help us look, live longer. But there is so much talk about intermittent, intermittent uh, fasting. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, why can't like Muslim physicians kind of like get together in the West and be talking about it more on podcasts or maybe be involved with research and start to talk about it, but from our point of view? I'm not saying that we want to preach or turn people into Muslims so they can have the best fasting out there, but why can't we jump on this wagon and try to talk to the public about it from our own perspective? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you, Samar. I think, uh, you know, we uh, we have, I think we have responsibility. I mean, so perhaps that's why my interest is understanding. So I, I give you a step back. I mean, it's not about our physician. None of us, none of these physicians, what we are trained in medical school, have anything to do with health. I know you're recording it, but I just, I just want yeah, to say well, this is Finally, somebody is telling us the truth about doctors. Yes. So it's, it's not just about doctors, it's a health system, right? 
See, it, so what is the health it system is, built for here in America? Yeah, it, it is, it you know, several trillion dollar industry, Ahmed. If mm -hmm. health system in U.S. were a country, we are the fourth largest economy of the world, right? Wow. So there is an 800 pound gorilla in the room who wants to move it. Everybody is beneficiary about it, right? So we are not in health care. We, we are in disease care. We wait people to get disease and then we have all kind of technology to treat them. If we're going to prevent upstream, what I call it, if we're going to prevent upstream all the toxicities and diseases, what's going to happen to all the hospital investment that we have done for the last 50 years? You know, So that's why, Samar, we do not have time to talk about health. Yes, if somebody is sick, having a heart attack, we are the expert. We know where to put the stent right away within one hour or whatever. But anyway, so what I was trying to say is I agree with you that we need to discuss more about prevention and especially in because our tradition is so close to nature. If we just follow, I mean, look at Ramadan. I mean, this is amazing that even though we are living in this society, which is a uh, there's no measure of health when we compare ourselves to the sick society. But the thing is, we have this inbuilt in us that we we you know, five times a day, we disconnect with our subconscious mind and we become conscious and, and become present in the moment. Then we fast, you know, once a month and we try to help the economy with 2.5. I mean, uh, it's amazing. So, so basically, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if Muslim practitioners in, in our, in, in the, in the country just come back to our basics, we will be the leader of this change, which we need in this, in, in the country. And it's yes. happening, by the way. I mean, there are doctors like me who are working hard on that. And I do. I mean, I write articles. That's the reason I, you know, accepted Ahmed because I I just did a little, uh, you, I mean, uh, Zoom for on the biology of fasting. So, you know, I'm constantly working on it. But there are doctors like me who are doing that. But far and few. So you don't, you don't see the momentum. But inshallah, one day. You know, you'll, you'll, you mentioned because also prayers, which of course, like Ahmed said, we do even way more praying. We do a reciting of the Quran. We we read the whole Quran. I take it uh, a chance to understand it maybe and uh, memorize it. But for instance, the prayers, uh, doctor, from a physical point of view, besides the taqwa, besides really, it's uh, the religion involved. It's the the stretching that happens. Uh, the ability to kneel, the ability to prostrate. I mean, that's another uh, field of things that Muslims can get into. It's its in a way yoga, but it's not yoga. But isn't prayer and even doing more prayers in Ramadan is also helpful for the body and the stretching that so, so many people don't do stretching and they don't know how important it is and how healthy it is. Do yeah. you agree with me? That there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of uh, studies done. I mean, uh, so basically, you know, it's amazing to, you know, uh, you know, it is for us, uh, Ramadan fasting is associated with Quran, you know, which is which is the ultimate um, uh, method of being self-aware and awareness of, uh, of the nature and the God. Uh, but the thing is, um, it is by itself if somebody is fasting by itself without meditating without praying actually they are doubling the stress on their body so so basically what meditation does 
it reduces the level of stress in the body by by there are studies done that through meditation or you know usually it's a simple just focusing on uh, on uh, in the present and not thought about yesterday and tomorrow and that's what the khushu and khuzu of salad is that you are in the present unfortunately we lack on that also but this is a good opportunity to discuss that the whole gist of doing prayer is to focus on one thing which is you know we do with, with on prayers what it does it reduces the cortisol level it reduces the adrenaline in the body it reduces those stress hormones because of that the level of inflammation goes down and as the level of inflammation goes down all across the body it prevents us from chronic diseases so the combining fasting with meditation is the utmost important actually interesting doctor appreciated i think we need uh, like you said uh, an hour for every aspect that has to yes. do so, yeah we, we can we definitely want to have you back on to um, sure. discuss uh, further not just about ramadan but also just the uh, prophetic uh, advice that prophet muhammad peace be upon him give about eating and drinking some of the things you mentioned about eating protein I even came across a hadith, uh, one of the things of the Prophet saying you, we shouldn't eat red meat as much or limit the amount of red meat we eat uh, yeah. because and now, you know, scientists are figuring out that it's actually um, could be harmful. Yes. And uh, even when you're talking about drinking the water, there is a, a hadith that says you should like sit down when you drink and drink it over three sips. So mm -hmm. slowing down how you drink yes. the water. I always never, yeah. you know, like, what's see, the see, point? Ahmed, you know, a, a great reminder, that's that. That's being mindful, right? Yeah. While you're eating, you're being mindful. I mean, all that prayers, you know, starting your meal with a prayer, that's being mindful. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're in the present and that's the whole idea, right? At the end of the right. day. Just, you know. Well, um, we're out of time. So thank you so much for thank being you. with us. We'd love to have you uh, back again. Uh, in the future to discuss this. Uh, that was Dr. Elias Yamani. He's the CEO of the All Care Medical Consultants. He's, uh, I guess, based in uh, Tampa Bay area and Pinellas County. Thank you for joining us so much. And uh, now we're out of time, Summer. And uh, NPR News is next and radioactivity. And we're going to continue our Ramadan. We'll be back at the same place, same time next week. And we wanted to talk about what was happening in Al-Aqsa with the storming of the mosque there and attacking on worshipers but we're out of time maybe we'll discuss it next week summer inshallah and uh, ramadan mubarak to you doctor and to you ahmed and to everybody listening i think npr news is next uh, any minute now thank you so WMF much Tampa. appreciate it thank you um it's still the countdown for npr so i don't have my clock right in front of me to the exact second but like i said